the church rejoices today on this, the feast of St. Joseph. And the gospel is, it comes from that of St. Matthew. When Mary, the mother of Jesus, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be a child by the Holy Spirit. But Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wishing to expose her to reproach, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Do not be afraid, Joseph, son of David, to take to thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is begotten in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So great is this feast that we break our Lenten penances, our fasting, our abstinence, and we rejoice because of this great saint about whom we know so little and yet such a great deal. We know little because the scriptures give us little about him, about his life. Not even his words are recorded in scripture, so he's the saint of silence. And yet there's a great deal to be deduced from this. Saint Joseph has many, many clients, many of the saints, um, exalted in, in him. Among them was St. Bernardin of Siena. And in his writings on St. Joseph, St. Bernardin said, when God chooses a person for a particular vocation, a particular calling, that includes all of us, he gives the corresponding grace. So if we're called to the priesthood, there is a grace attached to it. If we're called to the married state, God will provide the graces necessary for that state. If we're called to the single life or consecrated life, God likewise will provide the graces. If we're called to government, to be head of a nation, God provides the grace. Whatever state of life we're called in, the grace, the corresponding grace, will be available. Now, our Blessed Lady was called to the highest of all states, that is, to conceive the eternal Son of God in her womb. And therefore, God showered her with graces, so many graces that she was called full of grace. If she's full, then no more could be added. because of the dignity to which she was called to be the mother of the Savior, the mother of the Creator, the mother of God. For this task, she needed a helpmate, someone to assist her in this task. And so, the Holy Spirit chose Joseph. He would be the guardian of the Virgin. He would be the foster father of the Savior. He would be, in effect, the vicar of God the Father. That is, 
he would stand in relation to Christ in the same way that Peter stands, sorry, in the same way Peter stands in relation to Christ. Just as Peter is the vicar of Christ, so St. Joseph is vicar to God the Father. It's an incredible thought. And as Peter received all the graces necessary for him to stand in that position and to minister to the church, so also St. Joseph received incredible graces so that he might minister to the head of the church, Christ Jesus, and to his mother. So already we see the great outpouring of grace that was given to him. Therefore, it is folly to think of him as some simple saint at best, and as an ordinary man at worst. But what kind of graces did God give him? Well, the little that we know from the Gospel, according to St. Matthew, we're told that when Mary, the mother of Jesus, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. How do we know? How do we put this into uh, understandable uh, language? Joseph had been chosen to be the husband of Mary. It's God's plan. It is evident that they had both taken a vow of chastity, of virginity. How is that obvious? Because when the angel came to Our Lady, who, St. Luke tells us, was betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and said that she was to conceive and to bear a son, Our Lady asked the question, how is this possible since I do not know man, since I'm a virgin? But she was a spouse, she was, in, she was married. So how can she bring up as an objection her virginity? How can she bring this up to having a child unless she had taken this vow of virginity? which she could not do without the agreement of her husband, Joseph. When the angel explains it will be through the agency of the Holy Spirit, she consents. And then immediately she goes to the hill country of Judah because the angel had told her that her cousin in her old age had herself conceived. And so Our Lady hurries to the assistance of Elizabeth, carrying the conceived infant, just a few days old in her womb, carrying him to the hill country, to Zachariah's house, bringing many blessings, and staying three months with Elizabeth. When she returns, Three months later, we're told by St. Matthew, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Who found her to be with child? Joseph. 
Joseph would have known the kind of person Our Lady is. He would have known her great purity. He had no doubt about her virginity. God would have provided the necessary graces. And when he saw her with child, when he saw her pregnant, his heart is troubled. Why? He did not doubt her fidelity. He did not doubt her chastity. But he saw that she was with child. And because the corresponding graces would have been given, he realized that here was the action of God himself. He found her to be with child by the Holy Spirit. When our Lord said to Peter at the seashore, put out into the deep and you'll make a catch. Peter said, Lord, we've labored all night and caught nothing. Nonetheless, I will do so. I will do as you say. Peter was an experienced fisherman. Our Lord was a carpenter. Our Lord gave the instruction, Peter obeyed. They made such a huge catch that they had to signal to the other ships to come and help because the, 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 there was too, too many fish. And when they filled the, the, the boats, they were filled to sinking point. And Peter immediately realized what? Who it was that was before him. He fell on his knees and said, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. In other words, Peter recognized the action of God there and then. And likewise for Joseph, in seeing this pregnancy and having no doubt about Our Lady's chastity, saw God at work and he wished to separate himself from this great mystery. I am not worthy. Depart from me. That's why he was pondering how to do it. Should he, he couldn't do it publicly, and so he decided to separate himself informally. And he was, we're told, he thought about these things, and no doubt he prayed about it, because the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, if the angel appeared in a dream, and he believed the dream, which again, it indicates the depth of his spirituality. But who else dreamt in scripture? Jacob dreamt and saw the ladder that ascends to heaven and recognized in that ladder with the angels of God going up and down that it led to the gate of heaven. This is what he says. He recognized also Our Lady in that sign, on whom angels ascend and descend, that she was the link between earth and heaven, the means by which God himself, the Lord of angels, would descend to earth. Who else dreamt? Joseph, a similar name. And what did Joseph dream? He dreamt many things, but in particular, that the sun and the moon and the stars 
bow down before his star. And here we have Joseph. And who does Joseph have? The sun and the moon. Our Lord, who's the source of all grace. And his mother, who, like the moon, reflects the light of Christ. And he has authority over them. They bow down before him. That's is what, that indicates the kind of depth of spirituality. And so the angel says, do not be afraid, Joseph, son of David, to take Mary to, the, to home as your wife, because what she has begotten in her is by the Holy Spirit. And this is a great mystery of which you are to be a part. So much so that when she brings forth her son, you will give him the name Jesus. Indicating that Joseph had authority over him. To name a child is to exercise authority. He would have had authority over Mary as her husband, and he would have authority over her child. The sun and the moon would bow before him. These are things worth pondering. And what's more, his name Jesus, which means Savior, for he shall save his people from their sins. Who is his people? These are the only ones he can save, those who belong to him. And Joseph certainly belonged to him. And therefore Joseph must have been close to sinless. Our Lady was immaculate, but we can piously, religiously believe that St. Joseph likewise must have been close to without sin. After all, John the Baptist was born without sin, sanctified in his mother's womb. And his mission was to point out the Christ. How much more, how much greater must have been St. Joseph's, who was to nourish and to provide and to teach and to raise the Son of God. Therefore, our devotion to St. Joseph must increase, and we should ask him to assist us so that we might follow fully the vocation God has called us to, that we fulfill this vocation to the best of our ability, and that we're able to correspond to the graces God necessarily gives us to fulfill the mission for which he has created us. Let us then, with the whole church, rejoice in God creating so great a saint, a saint of silence, and yet a saint whose life speaks so loudly to us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This MP3 recording has been made available by Family Life International. Help us to make many more available in order to promote our Catholic faith. Go to www.familyandlife.org.uk and donate today. Mm -hmm.